Alright guys, welcome to the new show, The Dynasty Wire. I am producer Steve, and I have with me our new guy, Draft Genius, who specializes in Dynasty Fantasy, Devi Leagues, IDP, and Rookies. The guy does his research, he's got Excel sheets, no, he really knows what he's talking about. And this is the, uh, I guess the kind of intro episode for this show. I'm not really a, De- a Dynasty player yet. Uh, more of a casual player, but I am interested in learning. So if you're kind of getting new to this whole Dynasty stuff, you're going to want to listen to this one. We're going to go through and kind of figure out what we're going to get from the Dynasty Wire. If you're already a Dynasty player, you're going to love this show and you're going to want to download it and listen every week. Draft Genius, good evening. How are you, my friend? What's up, my man? I'm very excited to bring you into this wonderful community that we got here in the <laughs> uh, the dynasty industry. You know, this is a whole other world you're walking into. It's kind of like you're opening the closet to Narnia. So, welcome in, dude. I feel like I feel like I've I've been reading magazines my whole life, and and now you've like taken me into the Library of Congress and are about to drop knowledge on me that I, I do not understand. <laughs> so. You're going to have to hold my hand on this one. I'm going to ask you a lot of questions. I want to I want to kind of figure out what sort of segments you're going to do and what segments those are going to be so that our audience can kind of know what to expect every week from the Dynasty Wire show. If that's good with you. Oh, 100%. This is the the preview show of the takeover of Dynasty Wire. <laughs> Dynasty Wire is about to take over the whole entire IDP, Devi, Dynasty Everything in that market is about to be Dynasty War, so heads up. That's yeah, I like, it. I like the confidence, but first, tell me, tell me, like, do you have the credentials? How long have you been playing fantasy? I've been playing fantasy in general since probably probably fourteen years old. You know, probably about about eleven years. Okay. And uh, I mean, I got really really serious into it in two thousand twelve. You know, made Draft Genius, branded myself Draft Genius uh, as a website. You know, put out content every week and every fantasy football season. And um, I started just dominating. You know, it wasn't like I'm not trying to, you know, brag or anything, but I was just whipping ass. And I said, man, I gotta have a harder challenge. This is easy because I was conquering redraft because I was always good at getting the sleepers and hitting on the sleepers. And I wouldn't read in articles or anything. I just watch a lot of college football, mm-hmm. and I just know, you know, people say the word talent, but I delve more into talent. I look at man, yeah, this guy's talented and all, but why is he talented? What makes him translate to the NFL level as good as he is? out of college so i saw that because i was aspiring to be a college football coach okay. so i had all my interest into that and then i got into the dynasty industry probably 2013 and um you know i'll probably have in all around 20 dynasty championships that's with idp rookie leagues you know that's everything and uh i mean that was what five years ago so I've been about four a year, maybe one or two here and there, but some years better than others. Last year I hit on Kamara Hunt, you know, both of them. I hit on Austin Keller for a little while, you know, I got him. Uh, Deshaun Watson, I got him in the third round of my rookie draft and dominated with him. We all saw how that turned out awesome. way better than I thought it would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, that's it, man. That's that's really it. Uh 
I just love Dynasty, and you All know, right. it's a whole, it's a rabbit hole of info. That, okay, so I wanna, I wanna say this to listeners: when you're looking for a podcast to listen to, or you're looking for a person to get fantasy advice from, you wanna find the person that lives, eats, breathes, and sleeps football. Like they're the people that watch the film, as Draft Genius was just saying, go through the college careers, know what things to look for. So, you know, you having said that gives me a lot of confidence that you're going to be a good teacher in this new world for me. But the other thing that you just said really uh, got my attention was that you were dominating your casual leagues and your redraft leagues, which is really what I am normally playing. I love fantasy football for the social aspect. But I'd still like to win. But, you know, trash talk is my thing. I love playing with my friends and my family. But I love kicking their butts. So if you're telling me that listening to Dynasty, uh, a Dynasty show, the Dynasty Wire, and getting this kind of information for that leagues that I can use it in my redraft leagues every year and get just that much better, now you got my interest. So let's let's jump right into this. So uh, I guess one of the segments that every fantasy show does, and, and we're going to do it here on Dynasty Wire, is we're going to talk about news. But when we talk about it on this show, we're going to look at it as through the lens of Dynasty, through the lens of IDP, through the lens of rookie news, and really project things out a lot farther than just, is this guy going to play this week or next week? You know, how long is this injury going to keep him out, right? Right. No, definitely. It's going to be the um, the extreme news. You know, it's not going to be, oh, well, the RG3 just signed the contract with the Ravens, you know. Oh, TJ <laughs> Yates is getting a practice squad call up or something. No, this right. is going to be the news that matters, not no BS news. This is news that is going to help you in every league possible. Okay, so let's jump into some of this news. You were telling me you had some news about Tyron Matthew maybe playing for the Cowboys. I know he signed to Houston, which makes me happy as a Texans fan because that secondary just got just got a little bit better and they needed it badly. But t- what's going on with this Cowboys? Why would he go to the Cowboys? Well, originally, you remember the game where the Seahawks played the Cowboys in the middle of the season, right? Okay. So then... Earl Thomas ran up to Jason Garrett after and said, hey, look, if you got a chance, come get me. Everybody knows the Cowboys need a safety. You know, their defensive backfield is a mess. They started three rookies last year. So um, they had executives for the Cowboys that wanted to get Tyron Matthew and were willing to offer him a great contract, you know, way better than the Houston contract. And I think the Houston sign-in is correlated to his Dallas connection because, you know, he's from Louisiana. I think he wants to be closer to home instead of going in Arizona. So the Saints, uh, the two Texas teams, Tennessee, you know, that little area is, I think, where he wanted to stay in the south. And the executives tried to contact – We call it the third coast. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Definitely. We we call it over here. I'm in the South, so we just call it the South, and everybody knows yeah. for some reason. And um, so, yeah, they wanted to sign him, and then they tried to get in contact with the Jones family, and guess what happened? The Jones family couldn't be contacted. They were in vacation in the Bahamas. Mm turned off their service you know you i've been to the bahamas you got service in the bahamas but i guess their vacations they don't want it to be bothered that could have been their biggest signing of the offseason that could have turned around their defense potentially in one move so they dropped the ball on that if you ask me i don't 
I mean, look, you're a Texans fan. What do you think about this addition to the Texans? I think it was a great addition, and and you mentioned it. The contract that they signed him to for a one-year deal for the ability of this guy and the potential for him to be – and he's young too. So mm-hmm. to, to try him out for a year at the price that they got him with what, what we – I think we've seen he can do. I love it for the Texans defense. Probably – a chance he could move teams again next year. He's an unrestricted free agent after this season. So you never know what will happen. Do you think he will end up going to Dallas? Is there something about that team that he wants to play for them or what? What is it? Or did they, or did they want him? Um, I, th- I think they probably wanted him more. Okay. So you it's know, like think, if they would just offer and, him a really good contract. Yeah, and Jerry loves these types of players. He loves the underdogs. Look what he did with Dez. You know, he was Dez's number one fan. Look what he did with Zeke. All the questions coming out about Zeke in the draft, and Zeke slid all the way to them. I mean, he likes taking chances on these players who show so much talent but have a little bit of injury problems or have a little personality problems. And uh, Tyron Matthews is definitely a different player than he was in college, so I think he could have very much helped the Cowboys locker room. Um, but. Man, it just, they dropped the ball. I don't know how else to put it. They dropped the ball. Yeah. IDP-wise, this would have been an amazing signing because you have the Cowboys defense who always gets beaten with the pass. No, they got a good line, defensive line. They got good linebacker core, but their DBs is with slacks. Mm-hmm. IDP-wise, this dude would have racked up tackles in Dallas. But hopefully he racks them up in Houston. I got him on a couple of teams, so I'm excited. Okay, well, let me let me ask you real quick, because I do want to transition to Dez, who you mentioned. But in IDP-wise, this year, Tyron Matthew, with Houston's pass rush, and if, if Watt is healthy finally, and Clowney and Merciless, if those guys can rush and make quarterbacks throw earlier than expected, do you see a really good season for Matthew? Potentially interceptions, broken up passes, whatever else you score in IDP? 100%. 100%. Because if you're playing, you know, a quarterback, say, uh, Alex Smith, okay? I don't know exactly who the Texans play. I know the schedule just got released today, but I haven't gotten the chance to look. Say you're playing Alex Smith, who, yeah, he had the best deep ball last year, okay? But Alex Smith doesn't throw deep balls. Everybody knows that. That guy cannot throw the deep ball. So he's rushed with a new offense he's learning in Washington and stuff, and he has that pass rush coming towards him. He's going to chuck it up, you know, and I, I don't know who they have as their deep threat. You know, not Jameson Crowder. He's not tall. Maybe Josh Doxson, but I think Matthew's definitely faster than Doxson. So Matthew could easily pick off passes like that, you know, little rush passes. Um, I think this guy can really, really return to his superstar potential that mm-hmm. he was at. Uh, I know he came into the league very, very just – versatile you know he could play cornerback he could play defense anywhere's on the field really line him up at outside linebacker he played defensive back free safety strong safety uh all throughout his nfl career i mean this guy has 11 picks in five years which that's not too bad for a safety you know that and he hasn't played a full season until this past year that's it this past year was the only time he played a full season Right. So that that's saying a lot right there. And then, I mean, this dude, he doesn't rack up the tackles, but he makes hot plays. This guy is a hot playmaker, you know, out of – I mean, look back in 2015. The Cardinals just stuck him at free safety. That was it. He only played 14 games. He had five picks. One was a pick six. He had a forced fumble, and people kept passing on him, passing on him. He had 17 pass deflections, and then he supported that with uh, 
80 tackles, I think it was. I'm not 100% sure if it was 80 tackles, but uh, it's close to that number. That's good for a safety. That's really good. You know, I, th- I think this guy is a, a premier safety, and man, this guy could possibly tear it up in Houston. Houston has a scary defense. I uh, I always thought that, well, for the past couple of years, that Houston's uh, defensive backs were benefiting from that pass run. They were they were they were better because of the pressure that uh, teams would get on them. So I, uh, I hope the same thing continues here. Uh, I got to send that tweet out. We just swept. Then, so, okay, <laughs> Samuel Omega tweet is out. Uh, oh, you know we, we follow. We, yeah, we follow a lot of sports here. I was just watching my local uh, minor league hockey team it was sweep the first round of the playoffs here. So good for the uh, Toledo Walleye. All right, I wanted to transition to Des. You mentioned him. You mentioned the Cowboys. The news has been out for a week now or two. Dez, no longer with the Cowboys. You said Jerry Jones likes to take chances on players. Talk to me about Dez and where do you see him landing and where would he be good like for a long term? I've heard some people say that he kind of needs to change his game up and become more of a slot receiver. He doesn't have the ability to play that, that, you know, separation down the field kind of guy. What are your thoughts on Dez in terms of like a dynasty owner or a keeper league? I mean, I'm definitely targeting Dez. Um, I can tell you I'm actually in a dynasty draft right now, and Dez went um, round nine. And if he even puts up, you know, half of what Larry Fitzgerald does, you know how we all got to remember Larry Fitzgerald wasn't always a slot receiver. Now he's the big-bodied slot receiver. If he puts up what Larry Fitzgerald is doing, man, let me tell you. People are going to be very, very excited at Dez. People are going to become Dez fans all over again. Everybody's hating on him right now. I mean, I think he can be a great big body slot receiver. We know Dez as going up and catching those one-two balls, you know, where there's one or two hands on him, bringing him down. He's in double coverage, and he pulls out the catch out of nowhere, and you're like, wow, how did this cat do that? (laughs) I mean, this guy just dominates at the high point catches he dominates still people will say oh he can't catch like that anymore yeah man go look last year he was catching like that all the time he just had a bad year Dak had a bad year everybody's forgetting about Dak Dak had a horrible year this past year and that that's more of a question on Dak you know second year um he didn't have Zeke for some of the years, so that's whenever he started to struggle. Dez almost hit a thousand yards this year. What more can you ask from the man? He's 29 years old. He, this is going to be his 29th year season. He hit 838 yards this year and had six touchdowns. That's pretty good. I mean, yeah. who else in the Dallas wide receiver core is catching balls? I think people were people in at least in redraft leagues this year were down on his consistency. He would disappear for a few games at a time, and he wasn't like. He wasn't getting you that nice floor that you like. He would have some big games, but it was hard to predict. Um, so where do you see him landing? Give me like your ideal spot and then like a realistic spot of a team that could actually, you know, use him and pay him what he wants. Ideal spot. I want him to go to the Seahawks. And that's because they have Doug Baldwin, but who else do they have? Tyler Lockett's a lost cause, if you ask me. They, uh, they just let go of Paul Richardson and then, um, I mean, who who do they expect to be the big-bodied receiver? Doug Baldwin's not a big guy. He's 5'11". Who do they expect to be? He's 5'11", but he's like 6'5", 
small in stature. You know, right. I don't know who they expect to be that big receiver. Amara uh, Darbo? No, he's not going to be that. I can promise you that right now. I'd bet anything that I got that it's not going to be Darbo. And that might upset some people because I know he was high on a few people's uh, rookie radars last year. But he's a fraud, I think, to be a premier receiver for them i think if dez goes there he's 6 to 225 his weight might have even come down gotten in better shape since the cut and um i think dez would be a, an awesome addition there they don't have a big bodied receiver haven't had one in a while so i think him and doug baldwin could help that pass game a lot we could see russell wilson have a career year with both of them there awesome. as yeah. far as the most realistic spot that i think he's going um, I don't know if you've seen the news, but Brandon Marshall yesterday tweeted Des and said, sorry, man, there's no room for you here, bro. <laughs> bad timing, and then, Bad timing. Yeah, bad timing. He gets released today. Yep. Okay? Yep. Brandon Marshall's gone. He didn't even – I don't even know if he played a full game in New York. <sighs> I don't He might have, but yeah, I, don't I don't think know. he did. But, uh, I mean, come on. That's opening, opening the doors for Des. You get Brandon Marshall, but – you get I think I think Dez is more talented than Brandon Marshall, if I'm being honest with you. Um, I think Dez is definitely you know, he has things that are bad about him, but I think that the good outweighs the bad definitely with Dez. And I think Brandon Marshall we've seen him start going down, down, down. You know, Dez is younger. He's five years younger than Brandon Marshall. Not many people realize that. He's 29 years old. Brandon Marshall is 34. Exactly. Brandon Marshall is 6'4", 229. Dez is 6'2", 225. And, I mean, this guy can definitely do what they wanted Brandon Marshall to do in New York, but better. Put him in the slot. Put put Odell at X, put Sterling Shepard at Y, put Dez in the slot, and you're going to be passing all over. Everybody's going to say Eli for MVP by the time the season's done. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't saying that last year. They were calling for his head. So, I mean, in the dynasty world, in the keeper leagues, Dez is a guy that uh, if you have him, I'm, I'm guessing you want to hold on to him. Uh, if you don't have him, would you trade for him now before he lands, or is it kind of a wait and see approach in terms of like buying Des right now? Um, I mean, it's really just based on the owner. It's based on your team composition, your team makeup. You know, I don't know what the general consensus is on Des because I haven't really delved into it. Because I'm confident with Des. I'm confident. 100% on Dez being a star no matter where he goes because he's that talented. We can't forget about a guy who has this many skills in his tool belt. And he's definitely worth, I would say, a second-round rookie pick. Okay. You know, somebody might say, wow, that's a lot. That or somebody like, might say, yeah, wow. Sounds like a lot. That's barely anything. But it's a second-round rookie pick. Um, I mean, I'd rather somebody who's done it you know, for five years, who's had at least 800 yards, six touchdowns for five years. Dez has the most touchdowns since 2012 in the NFL. That's a lot. That's saying that's a huge deal. You know, right. everybody looks past that, but that's a huge thing. And I think that that in itself shows that he can definitely be a, an asset and he's cheap. You know, he's he's a, a smart buy right now this is one of the best buys you can make because the the risk is low you could get them for super cheap and then the reward is sky high 
Right. Would yeah. Anybody be surprised if Dez came out, had a thousand yards and eight touchdowns this year? Yeah, I no. was, that's what I was thinking. I was like, this, I mean, I'm saying I'm learning right now, but I was thinking this is the time when he's between jobs, so to speak. This is, would be the time to pick up on, on a guy like that. Uh, let's talk about another guy who's between jobs right now, who I think people have very st- strong feelings for or against maybe CJ Anderson, no longer with the Broncos. Same question, ideal landing spot for him and his skill set, uh, in terms of dynasty and, or, or, or you know, realistically. Where, where do you see him going? Where I want him to land personally is with the Raiders, and that's going to surprise a lot of people because they have Marshawn, and they just signed Doug Martin. They have Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington. But C.J. Anderson's uh, 27 years old. You know, this guy's young. He's still young. He got four years left in him. Um, he's a ground-and-pound running back who I think we we enjoy you know, at the Raiders, we have had history. That's my team. So whenever I say we, I'm referring to them. And it's just a very, very smart addition because we're taking somebody who's in the AFC West and he's played for Denver for five years. You know, he knows all their ins and outs. He could be very beneficial in a game plan aspect. And I think Doug Martin's going to break. I love Doug Martin, the muscle hamster. But I think he'll break in the season, and we only have Lynch for one more year. So I think C.J. Anderson could be a cheap long-term plan. Um, this is a dude who he came into the league undrafted free agent. He carved himself out a role in 2014, uh, only started seven games, and ran for 849 yards and eight touchdowns. He caught two touchdowns and had 300 yards on the in the air. That's that's a good stat line. You know, the next year he had 700, and um, then he just hit a thousand this past year. Only three rushing touchdowns, but let's be honest, the Broncos sucked. Yeah. They just flat out stuck. Yeah. <laughs> well, and Anderson always seemed like he in Dirty Jobs has a special relationship with the Broncos. That's his team, and he would always say last year, "You don't draft C.J. Anderson. You want he's going to be fine. He's going to be good for a couple of games. Then he'll disappear. Then he'll show up at the end of the season." And that's almost exactly what he did. And he ended up on waivers on a lot of teams, uh, a lot of leagues. And if you grabbed him at the end of the year, he won you, you know, playoff or championship games. But you, you think he's a good fit, or you like to see him at the Raiders? Where do you, where do you think he's actually like realistically a good fit where he could sign? I think realistically he can go to the Lions. Ooh, I and like I know that. that's a. Uh... That's kind of a hot little take because they have Amir Abdullah. They got Theo Riddick, and they I just signed Garrett Blunt. I don't think they like Amir but, Abdullah anymore, dude. I, I don't think that. Uh, I think they want to get rid of him. I don't. I think um, – actually, I think – and I kind of know this based on what I've been hearing around the um, industry from just different executives. And I th- I'm pretty sure – about 75% sure Amir Abdullah is going to get traded on draft day or before draft day. Yeah. Pretty sure that's going to happen because he's still young, and we saw what he could do in college. And he just—it might not be the right system, you know. Yeah. It just some some running backs are just hampered by the system. Look at, you know, Marshawn Lynch. He was he was good with the Bills, but he was really good with the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, it could be a system thing with Amir Abdullah. You can't just a person that has that much production in college. You can't just look away from that. Well, and a lot, but, I think a lot of it has to do too with like the the style of offense they're running. Like you're seeing a system. Like there were there were running backs, and I you know I hate to bring up Houston, but there were running backs in Houston that really thrived on that zone blocking scheme that Gary Kubiak used to run. But then they go somewhere else and they they just hit a wall. You know, however mm-hmm. that offensive oh, yeah. line is blocking for you, if you fit that style, you're going to be successful. I'm not. I haven't watched enough C.J. Anderson to know 
what style of runner you said he's kind of a, a, a ground and pound kind of guy so would he fit in with the lions pretty well I think he would. I think him and Blunt could be a very good one-two punch. You know, you're just pounding. You could just run power football with them too. Uh, I really do think that he can be a valuable fantasy asset there. You know, that's the most realistic place I see him going to, the Lions. I've also seen the Seahawks because all that they have is Chris uh, Carson. CJ Prosize can't stay healthy. I'm not a big fan of him. And um, I think that if he does go to the Seahawks, that could be a great fit there too because you know how they love those ground-and-pound running backs. Right. And they already have passing down backs. You know, the Lions already have a passing down back. That's why I think those are the most realistic spots. You can't rely on this guy who – I mean this guy in his career, I think he's only caught 103 passes in five years, I want to say, and not even uh, went over 30 catches in the past three years so i think that yeah you want him to be just the running back the running back that's it not the running back that can go out for catches right not the running back that can go and line up at a wide receiver spot and run routes so i think cj pro and theo riddick at both the seahawks and the lions respectively can make that a possibility all right and we talked about like a buy low for uh for Dez, same situation for Anderson, and you you kind of gave me an idea of you know you might pick you might you might throw a second round rookie draft pick for Dez. What kind of value do you put on CJ Anderson in Dynasty right now? In Dynasty, it's tricky. Okay, it's really really tricky, and it's because we see running backs like this get fizzled out of the NFL all the time. We see him get you know just not I don't want to say blackballed because I don't really like that term, but they just disappear and nobody knows why they disappear and that's what i don't get i don't get why they disappear but i'd i'd probably offer a third round rookie pick or i would offer a package you know say you have george kittle still on your roster or say you have um Chris Carson. I'd trade Chris Carson for him. Chris Carson's is going to be the starter for the Seahawks as of now. I'd trade him for C.J. Anderson because I think C.J. Anderson is a better player overall. Okay, That's probably the extent of it. Or maybe one of those rookie quarterbacks from last year. Possibly at Mitch Trubisky if you could do that. I think people would buy him for Mitch Trubisky. Mm, okay, that's an interesting one. Uh, let's 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 talk about a player that was uh, playing with Mitch Trubisky last year and is no longer with the Bears. Cameron Meredith now with the Saints. People will say that uh, the Saints. Well, okay, two things about being a wide receiver on the Saints. Number one, too many miles to feed. You can't pick one week to week to score you a lot of points in fantasy. And number two, I think what we saw last year was a return to a run first offense like they had in their Super Bowl year uh just pound 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 that run they got two you know different style running backs which they interchange and uh I think that people are going to be scared of Saints wide receivers this year what is your take on Cameron Meredith with the Saints long term and uh you know is he a good value right now somebody you're looking at in dynasty and keeper leagues uh you remember Marcus Colston absolutely Cam Meredith is Marcus Colston. Marcus He's Colston, going to be, he, he was very consistent for me in fantasy years ago. Yep. All right. That's what Cam Meredith is. If you can get him, get him. Um, I, I just took him in round nine of this dynasty draft, and I couldn't be happier. This is a guy who, do you know who Matt Barkley is? I'm guessing you do. The guy yes. from USC. He made Matt Barkley fantasy relevant. 
on the Bears in 2016. Matt Barkley was a top five quarterback for two weeks. Dude was throwing 300 yards a game whenever he was throwing to Cam Meredith. Cameron Meredith had a career year. He's only been in the NFL for two years. Yeah, he's, years. Only 20, he's like only 25 years old right now, so he's a young guy. Yep, and he had he had almost a thousand yards with the quarterback stable of Brian Hoyer, Cameron Meredith. I mean, not Cameron Meredith, um, Matt Barkley, and uh, I don't even know who the other guy was. He was probably a scrub. (laughs) But he had four touchdowns, 888 yards. That's really good. I mean, that's a good wide receiver. I mean, he's the wide receiver, two on the Saints. That's good wide receiver, two production, if not great. Um, You know, the other two people that they have there that he'll probably have to – fend off i guess you could say which i don't even think he has to fend off them is brandon coleman and willie sneed willie sneed i don't see him doing anything the saints showed and proved that they don't want to start willie sneed they don't want to play willie sneed at all nobody wanted to sign willie sneed and the saints are saying well we'll take you back i guess and then same with brandon coleman they re-signed brandon coleman but it wasn't a big deal at all and nobody wanted brandon coleman either so they said, okay, we'll we'll just take them. And the Saints are doing what the Patriots do. You know, you see the Patriots always take somebody that nobody wants. Yep. And then they turn them around and they make them great. Yep. The Saints have been doing that for the past few years. The Saints have been, I guess, out-patrioting the Patriots, if that <laughs> makes sense. And I'm not saying Sean Payton's even close to Bill Belichick, but the way he is making these moves – are proving that they're on the up and up. Look at what happened this past year. Nobody knew Alvin Kamara was going to blow up like this. I had him going to a few teams, but the number one team, his best fit was the Saints. I didn't think the Saints were smart enough to draft him at all. I had no idea they were going to do that. And they got by far the steal of the draft. He was the rookie of the year. So I think that the way that they develop talents like that they can develop Cameron Meredith into a Marcus Colston type of fantasy asset. And if they keep him long-term, no matter what quarterback comes in after Breeze, is going to have two solid receivers. I mean, these are potentially top 15 guys every year. You know, the talent that they have. I mean, I don't I don't know how else to put it, but Cam Meredith is going to take over New Orleans. All right, That's so what you, I think is so, going to happen this year. So you see him slotting in right behind Michael Thomas in terms of depth chart, right? Uh, you, right. you said you got him ninth round in a dynasty draft. Is that – that's a steal, I'm guessing, right? Like that's a great value. Is there... I think it's a steal, okay. but he's going a lot later than the ninth. I just don't want anybody to take him from me Okay, that's okay. how I am on him right now. Well, that, that's, that's what I'm trying to get a feel for here. Like what is the what is the highest that you would reach for him? Is nine the upper limit or are we going like eight or seven? Like how – where do you think he falls? Because Michael Thomas, I'm guessing, is probably gone by the second or third round for sure. I think, yeah, Michael Thomas in a definitely in a dynasty um, startup. He's gone in uh, sometimes the late first, you know, yeah. but usually the second round. Cam Meredith, I've seen go probably 11, 11th round, 12th round. Uh, I'd probably take him in the 9 or 10, just me personally. I think that he can be a around six pick next year around five pick next year possibly okay so I, th- I feel like i got the best possible deal with him my receivers in that league are martavis bryant dd westbrook jordy nelson jameson crowder amari and stefan diggs very receiver heavy because you start four possibly okay so that's that's the best 
thing I could have done. I think I definitely, I mean, man, I couldn't be happier getting them where I got them. I'm very excited about his outlook, and I think he can be a definitely a, a steal come regular season. All right, let me ask. Let me just sidetrack one second here because when you're talking about dynasty, I I, I understand that you want to build for long term. It's not redraft. You're not trying to get the best players of that year. You're trying to not only get good players, but you're also trying to build up your team to be successful for a long time. So guys like Coleman, uh, I'm sorry, guys like uh, Meredith fit into that plan, right? Is there is there a percentage that you go by, but is there any kind of guidance you can give new dynasty players to say, like, are you want this amount of veterans, this amount of middle career guys, this amount of rookies to kind of – continually build like is is there a a ratio that you go for not necessarily you know i try to the rule for me is 30 and you're done and that means once a player turns 30 or they're 29 you trade them and get as much value as you can because statistically players drop at the age of 30 and it's not all the cases like i'll probably keep des on my teams until he's you know, 32 maybe if he's still in the league. Antonio Brown, I'm going to keep him till he retires or <laughs> yeah, right. dies or whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah. that guy's – he's Jerry Rice 2.0. Uh, but I do think that there is a specific strategy, and I have something called the trifecta strategy. Ooh. And that's a strategy that I created and, you know, marketed a while back. And what you want to do wait, is – Wait, 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 wait. Don't – are you giving me the trifecta right now? I mean – no, you ask for it. I'm no, gonna give it I, to you. I I want to make them wait. I want to make them wait. I love the idea <laughs> and the name of it is intriguing, but I want to make the, the listeners wait. So uh, stay tuned for the rest of the show, guys. We're gonna get into the trifecta later because that I think is very interesting. I, I want to stay on topic here with wide receivers. One more guy I want to ask you about in terms of rookie class this year: DJ Moore. I heard you like him. What do you like about him? And I do for dynasty. Do. Is, like he, is he a really good pick or what? I think he's a great pick, but real quick, I want to announce some breaking news. Ooh, this okay. won't be breaking whenever you listen to this, but it's breaking right now. All right. I just got a video sent to me of Dez and Odell working out. And keep in mind, this is 10 p.m. at night. They're working out together <laughs> what looks like a Giants facility. So, wait, Odell is working out at 10 p.m. at night? With Dez Bryant. Okay, I mean, well, first of all, I'm excited to see Odell working out at this time of day, which is awesome. He's not oh, out. It's, it's, it's on uh, Dez's Instagram right now. He's posting wow. for everybody to see. Man, shots wow. fired, Dez. He is not <laughs> messing he around. He left the Cowboys. Yep. And he said, I'm going to see you all twice a year. He meant it. He meant that he's going to see him twice a year. Uh, uh, okay. I hope my I hope my Giants prediction came true, you know. Maybe we'll add in a little breaking news horn or something to wake up the listeners because, yeah. man. Yeah. DJ Moore, tell me what you like about him in terms of you know potential. Uh, really, if I'm being honest, I think DJ Moore is the best wide receiver out of this draft class. And I know, hey, look, we got Christian Kirk, we got Cameron Sutton, we got you know all kinds of receivers in this class. There's an argument made for every single one of them, but I think DJ Moore is specifically going to be the most talented. This guy has the most yards by receiver at Maryland. I'm I'm 90% sure on that. I totally could be wrong and I might get a lot of hate for that, but <laughs> I'm 
pretty sure I just read that right. He had 1,033 yards this past season on 80 receptions and eight touchdowns. But he also ran five times for 61 yards and a touchdown, which is awesome. You know, that's that's an awesome for a receiver. This guy took the number that Stephon Diggs wore in college for Maryland and made it even more special. He took Stephon Diggs' number and looked even better in it. And we all know what Stephon Diggs is in the NFL. So because of that fact right there, I think that DJ Moore is definitely the guy you want to get in your drafts, in your rookie drafts or in your dynasty startup drafts. I mean, I would be fine. I think DJ Moore this year, it all depends on landing spot. But with him, I don't know if it's 100% on landing spot because I think he can be a solid wide receiver too for any fantasy team in any type of league. Okay, well, let me ask you another noob question, another new new guy question. When I'm drafting for a start, startup dynasty league uh, or if I'm just doing a rookie draft in, a, in an existing dynasty league, where do wide receivers – typically fall like what round do they typically go in is it is it like is it like redraft where it's running back heavy in the early and just a couple wide receivers or how does that usually Um, shake out again is just basically i mean it's based on the player it depends what you're comfortable with you know i personally like to stack up on running backs because they're a hot commodity and they're rare. They're it's very rare that you have a bunch of starting running backs on your team. And if you do, you have all the power. You control all the chess pieces. You can make any move you want on the board. Uh, a guy like DJ Moore, who is going to be prevalent in startup drafts and in rookie drafts, you know, this is a guy going back to him. I mean, the only weaknesses I found on him was that he didn't run a complicated route tree in college. He has minor issue with drops that can be fixed, and he'll probably play slot receiver in the NFL. That's the only negatives I found, and I've watched probably a hundred hours of film on this guy, even going back to his not so good rookie year. Mm-hmm. I mean, he looks a lot like Steve Smith Sr. If you remember him, oh yeah, for the Panthers and loves yeah. Steve Smith. I mean, he he was awesome, you know. And I think if DJ Moore goes to the Saints, it's game over for the whole entire NFC. Ooh. Their Saints are. They're sweeping everybody, but going back to the receivers in a draft, uh, it I usually tr- in my first four picks I want one receiver. I want one of those elite receivers. I have to have them because if I don't have them, I feel like my whole dynasty shot. Because it's hard to hit on a receiver in the rookie draft, and it takes a while to build up. Whereas running backs kind of go through the cycle every year. You always have five or six new starting running backs per year. Right. So I guess that so, that that, uh, that leads me to believe that like DJ Moore is a you view him as a pretty safe wide receiver prospect no matter where he lands like he's got the skill set that you'd feel comfortable drafting him early because he's gonna be a good player rather than it really depends on where he lands or maybe he's just a speed guy or just a certain type of player right 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 definitely I think he can be a Stephon Diggs and. uh I'm willing to take a shot on those guys because those guys are usually home runs. You know, they might be a – they're not going to be a double, you know, referring to baseball. They're not going to be a double. They'll be either uh, you get three runners in and they make it all the way to third base or, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. This guy has something special about him. It's just – it's one of those guys that you watch and you say, wow, this guy is – he's good. He's making double teams fall flat on their face. He gets yards after the catch like nobody else. He's such a good returner, and he's a very good guy. He's a very good team leader. If you look at interviews he has, 
He carries himself with poise, and he keeps that flair, which that's what you want in an NFL receiver. You want somebody who can intimidate the guy across from him. Right. So uh, this is a guy that I think is special, and I'd be willing to take him probably round 12, round 11. And that's where guys like uh, Mike Williams, Dante Moncrief, um, Mohamed Sanu, Nelson Aguilar, maybe Marquise Lee, Randall Cobb are going in that area too. I'd take him around them, and I think that – he can be head and shoulders above all those people I just named. I like it. That's a late round, too. I mean, that's, for most people, that's sleeper territory. I think we could go a little bit more, like, deeper into sleepers. And I, and I think that's what I want to do because uh, the show is, you know, it's a dynasty wire, but uh, it's sleeper wire. And we love to talk about the sleepers. So DJ Moore around the 12th, that, to me, that's a, uh, that's like a, that's like I'm, 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 I'm just about completely knocked out. I'm pretty drowsy, but draft genius, take me deep, man. I want to go to the deep REM sleep. Let's go to the deep sleepers. All right, in this segment, Drive Genius, you're going to tell me about some deep sleepers. What kind of rounds are we talking about? Are we talking like post 12th round? What are we like 12 to 16th round type of guys? Uh, I guess you could say that. It's more of people who might not even be drafted. Okay. To be right. honest with guys you, guys are going to end up the, on the waiver wire after the draft. The deepest of sleepers. Whenever right. you walk into your house. And you hear somebody in your house that lives with you just snoring up a storm <laughs> and you know they're sleeping good and that's what these sleepers are about. These are All the right. ones that you could get and nobody's awake on them. Nobody thinks about these guys in a draft. And these are guys who can potentially make or break your season, honestly. They could be that good to where I think they can win you a year or help you make it to the playoffs. So these are guys that uh, even if you don't pick them up like last round of your draft – a lot of a lot of uh, fantasy platforms have the feature where you can flag a player or or bookmark a player. Bookmark these guys because you know a week or two goes by, they might not start off strong, but what you're saying is they could become usable, very usable throughout the season. So those are those kind of guys. Maybe like I don't draft when I draft uh, fantasy. I don't draft a defense or a kicker, even if it's required. I always use those spots for two extra players. And then I figure out what I'm going to do, make some trades, and then pick up a kicker in defense, you know, before the first game. So if you if you do like me, these are some guys you might want to slot in. Talk to me about Albert Wilson. You mentioned him in the Saturday show that we did with Dirty Jobs. Uh, I want to know what you like about him. It's not what I like about him. It's what I love about him. All right. This guy's five nine. He's a solid two hundred pounds. He doesn't play like he's five nine. Uh, he, you know, he's quick out of his routes. He's good, little burst. Uh, he didn't really get the starting opportunity in Kansas City, and we know the Kansas City wide receivers to not really have that much fantasy value. Going back to Jeremy Macklin's last few years there, Macklin had some really good years there. Not taking that away from him, not trying to upset anybody based on Jeremy Macklin take, but you were kind of scared to draft him. Let's face it. Well, there was a season. To, wasn't there, was there a season uh, not too long ago where they, where they didn't throw a single touchdown to a receiver? I thought it was like 2016 or something, wasn't it? I mean, um, 2016 they threw. I know Macklin had two that year because that was his last year there in Kansas City. Maybe that was the only two. I don't know. They went a stretch of games where it was just Kelsey and, and no wide receiver was getting a touchdown. It was really yeah. weird. <laughs> no, I, I remember that that uh, that 
I mean, that's scary, right? That's scary to to bet on an offense who doesn't throw the ball like that, which, hey, totally going to be a different offense now in Kansas City. I actually love that offense, and I'm trying to get as many pieces to it as I can. Patrick Mahomes is a deep, deep sleeper. I'm not going to talk about him really on here, but that guy is who I'm acquiring in every dynasty league and every redraft league, any type of league. That's my guy this year. I think he can finish top seven quarterback this year. Top seven. Wow. All right. I like that. And, but uh, we were talking about Albert Wilson. Now, I, I remember last season, uh, I don't remember how many games. it might have. He might have had a stretch of two or three games where he caught my attention. And I try to look at uh, – I try to look at usually like the last five games for players. If somebody's kind of trending up, I might take a little bit of notice, see what's going on there. And I remember I added Albert Wilson. Didn't really pan out for me. But he did have some pop to him. And that's what you're talking about. You see him being successful in Miami, right? Right, right. I do. And I, that's what Albert Wilson does. You know, you said you uh, he didn't really pan out for you. He has those little games where he goes three for 42 and a touchdown. And you go, wow, this guy's good. Then he'll hit you with a five for 52, you know, no touchdown, but still gets you 10.2 fantasy points. And you're like, wow, okay. And then he'll post one for four. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, keep in mind, this guy – you know, the, the Kansas City Chiefs sat Alex Smith last year against Denver, I think it was. I think that was the last game they played. I think so, yeah. Sat him and played Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Patrick Mahomes locked in on Albert Wilson. Albert Wilson was the number one receiver that game for the Chiefs. He went 10 for 11, okay, 10 receptions on 11 targets for 147 yards. This guy was averaging – about 13.36 yards per target, which is it's good. You know, it's way above average, on especially on 10 passes. But the thing that sticks out to me is his 90% catch rate. You know, career-wise, in a season, he's never been over 67%. But he's also never caught over – you know, he's never even – the highest amount of catches he's had in a season is 42. So he hasn't even compared – 42 catches in a season is the same as my number two deep sleeper who only played in NFL one year, and you're about to find out who that is. But it's just – I think he can be really special in Miami. They don't have really – they have Devontae Parker who – I love him, but man, I gotta give up on him. That's one of my guys who I'm gonna cry about later on. You know, I'm I'm dedicated to the cause, but that guy's let me down too much. And then they got Kenny Stills, who I do think Kenny Stills is a really good value. Yeah. He's going a little bit too high for me because uh I like Albert Wilson who I could get for free. And then they brought in Danny Amendola, who I don't think he'll be that big of a factor over there. Yeah. So I'm going with Albert Wilson and he's probably gonna be one of my sleepers of the year. I'm pretty sure he'll pan out and i'm pretty sure you'll be lucky whenever you pick him up off the waiver wire for free because nobody's bidding on him nobody's going after him nobody even cares about him he's an under the radar sign and this guy was picked uh man i don't even know where he was picked in the draft i don't think he was even a high pick this guy he's somebody to watch he's carved a role for himself this guy is gonna potentially win you a league all right so let me ask you that let me ask you in 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 terms of all these guys, because we're talking about guys that maybe not even drafted, or if they are, they're late, late, late rounds. What What is the ceiling in terms of 
you know, final production do you see for them? I mean, do you see them being a, a serviceable flex or are they potentially a starter every week or are they going to be more of a plug and play kind of boomer bust guy that you're really going to like to have uh, when it comes down to playoff time? Uh, I think Albert Wilson could be a good flex, consistent flex week to week. Okay. All right. Um, another, another one of my sleepers similar to him is Trent Taylor for the 49ers, the slot receiver. And uh, I like him a lot. He's a hometown boy from Louisiana Tech, you know, right down the road from me. And he went to high school here, too, in Louisiana. You probably know his mama. He probably delivered papers to his parents' house or something crazy, right? (laughs) Oh, man, that'd be crazy if I did. (laughs) Uh, This guy averaged 10 yards per reception this year, caught 43 balls for 430 Touch. I mean, 430 yards and two touchdowns, which it's not bad. You know how many games he started? I have no take idea. Take a guess. Uh, Just take a guess. Three? Try one. He started one game. Okay. <laughs> one game. Well, you, you, and, you misled me there because you said games, so that wasn't yeah. fair. <laughs> well, look, I mean, this guy carved out a role, you know, uh, to the towards the end. I don't, I don't know exactly what week Jimmy Garoppolo started in, but – Say probably week, uh, week. It was like eleven or twelve, I think, wasn't he? he played the last five yeah, or six games. I think, I think game twelve, whenever he played against Chicago, but I'm not sure. You know, Trent Taylor went six for six, ninety-two yards, hundred percent catch rating. Then the next week he hit eleven, big stinker. Then he hit forty, which is is pretty good for the San Francisco low whatever they got going on over there. I hope it gets better for him. I think it will, but. He proved that he could be a viable slot guy, and the Chicago game was Jimmy G's first game, so I think they developed a rapport over this offseason. I saw a few pictures and videos of them working out. This guy's 23 years old. He's young, and I think there's a resurgence of the slot coming over there. Uh, Taylor Gabriel played the slot in the Fal- for the Falcons, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, Yep. and Kyle Shanahan was the coach there for one year whenever he was there. I think good. that this can be a guy who has those games, kind of like Taylor Gabriel. I, I like him a lot. I was I've been kind of looking at Garoppolo. Uh, one thing I noticed about him, and, and tell me if I'm completely mistaken, but he looks like he has a very fast, snappy release on his passes, which which I see as benefiting a slot receiver more than a than a deep ball kind of guy. Am I completely wrong on that, or am I seeing something? I'm actually learning something here. You're completely right. I think Garoppolo has a, you know, he has a low-key cannon. This guy can really beam it across the line and hit that slot guy. Uh, this could be Garoppolo's Julian Edelman. I'm going to give you that. Okay. This could be the next Julian Edelman. And Julian Edelman, I mean, PPR owners love him every year when he's, when I mean, sadly injured last year. But, God, he was such a great, consistent week-to-week PPR guy. Uh, you know, Golden Tate, another guy like that. And so if Trent Taylor undrafted or you can get him in the late rounds and you get a guy that can service you in a PPR league like that, that's fantasy gold right there. Who else you got? I'm going to go to D'Angelo Henderson. All right. And D'Angelo Henderson is a running back for the Broncos. They just released C.J. Anderson. Oh, I remember, yeah, I remember this guy. I, I remember this guy. Uh I heard good things about him last year. Never really got a chance, well, though, right? No, that's the thing. And one thing I don't understand is why would you draft D'Angelo Henderson in the sixth, sixth round, 19th overall in the sixth round, if you're not going to use him? This is a running back from the Sun Belt, you know, from the coastal Carolina, 
I don't even know how to say their last their last thing. Like their mascot, it looks like a rooster. But this guy was he was successful in college. This guy's five seven two oh eight. But this guy tore it up in college in the air and on the ground. He had as a sophomore fifteen hundred yards and twenty touchdowns. That's phenomenal. That's a phenomenal thing. As a junior and a senior, he had 16 touchdowns both years and surpassed 1,100 yards. And that's only on, I mean, barely 200 carries. This guy, he has talent. He really does. And I think that this guy can carve out a role in that offense if they don't draft a running back. And he can definitely score you a few touchdowns and be a little bye week fill-in if Devontae Booker doesn't take the job away. Do you see that happening? Because I know people were pretty hot on Devontae Booker last year too, as a, as a sleeper kind of guy. Yeah, I'm hot on Devontae Booker. Very, I really do like him, but I do think that the D'Angelo Henderson will give him a good run for his money, and you'll see Devontae Booker's ADP shoot up now that CJ Anderson's gone. But I think that the value, especially in Dynasty, is getting D'Angelo Henderson for free. Mm. Go to your waiver wire right now and get him for free. And this guy could possibly be an undercover starter for you, you know, an undercover agent for you. Nobody (laughs) sees who you picked up. Nobody cares. Oh, D'Angelo Henderson, boo. That's some leftover trash. No, that trash is gold, buddy. That trash is gold. Okay, so this is – and looking at it in, in Dynasty, I like, I like how you're saying these guys are still on waivers. Like this, this would also be somebody I might look at in, a, in just a redraft league that could be on waivers in the early season that I might want to snag up if somebody else is not working out for me. But in Dynasty, is the guy you're saying you can grab and hold on to him for a little while, a year, two years, maybe see what happens. Uh, by the way, I looked up Coastal Carolina's mascot. Here's how you pronounce it. Uh, Chantil Clear. Chantil Clear. <laughs> That's way better than I was going to uh, try. It's defined as a, name, a, a name given to a rooster, especially in fairy tales. What, what I think is they just didn't want their team to be called the Cox. Uh, so they, they came up with a fancier word for Cox. So there you go. Little, little education along with your education here. Uh, you got anybody else? Anybody that we're missing out in the deep sleeper bed here? I got, uh, real quick Thomas Rawls. Okay. And right. he's, look, I'm not a big Thomas Rawls fan, but what he did in 2015, his rookie year can be overlooked. He's not a good pass catcher. But he can get it done on the ground. On 147 rushes, he got 830 yards and four TDs, which that's a good that's a good line. You know, he was splitting time with Lynch that year, so I do think he has his work cut out for him on the Jets. He has to make the team first, of course. It's not a good contract that they gave him, so he has to make the team definitely. But I think that if he stays healthy, he can definitely carve out a role there, and you could get him for free. And then probably my He's in the contest of my sleeper for the year. This is a guy I want in every league, no matter the league. It's Carlos Henderson. That's also Trent Taylor's college uh, buddy. Okay. They they played on the same team all years in college. Um, I mean, he's from around here too. I guess I'm just picking hometown guys. <laughs> but this guy went to Louisiana Tech. You know, he's 5'11", 190, might be 200 now. Um his last year with Louisiana Tech, he was the starting X receiver. He racked up 1,500 yards, 19 touchdowns. And he also played a little bit of running back. 
and had 133 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. So he's very talented, very versatile. He had a freak thumb injury last year that kept him out, and that's you no, know, that's just that. That's just whatever. <laughs> I mean, throw that injury out because it's not something that it's not something that happens often. And unless you're Corey Coleman, because that guy breaks bones by picking up a pencil. But uh, this guy can definitely win you a league. I think he has the potential, especially in Dynasty, to be a wide receiver too as soon as next year. We're forgetting Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders were in the same draft class. These guys are getting old. They're 30, almost 31. Uh, I think that they need somebody like Henderson, and they will definitely – have him to build with any quarterback they bring in this guy is 23 years old same as trent taylor and he was a third round pick they drafted him in order to use him on the team not to just say hey look this is a guy we're bringing in for a camp body no they want him to play i think he'll get every single reason to play this year he'll play slot and he could be that big body slot guy too because he fights for the ball whenever he catches it he's not a little soft receiver this guy is a, a tough guy and I really, really like him. Really right. like him. Okay. All right. All good information. Uh, look, I'm I'm a skeptic by nature, so I'm going to look up some of these players and look at some film and try to to verify all this stuff you're throwing at me. But uh, but I like the way you're delivering it. You're giving me you're giving me realistic things to look for, which is good. Uh, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about some sleepers in the IDP. Now, uh, if you're new to this kind of stuff, IDP stands for individual defensive player. So in some fantasy leagues, you'll start defensive players, uh, D-backs, uh, linemen, linebackers, and they'll score you points for certain things, tackles, uh, rushed passes, safeties, interceptions, touchdowns, things like that. The scoring opportunities are endless here. But if you're getting into this IDP, draft genius, give me a couple of names of guys that I should be paying attention to if I'm starting to get into this stuff or if I'm in a dynasty league that has this type of position well first off i'm gonna go with um i got three linebackers and one defensive back for you the defensive back i'm a name i have to say his whole name because once you hear it justice can't be served without saying the whole thing jordan lynn baxter poyer what a name right (laughs) this guy is six foot 191 he's a safety for the buffalo bills he was drafted in the seventh round by the philadelphia eagles didn't make the team, went to Cleveland, didn't make the team, went back to Philly, didn't make the team really, and then went to Cleveland in 2014. He went from Cleveland and Philadelphia back to back to back. And then uh, he played and did a little bit of work with Cleveland, but then he got the start for the Buffalo Bills and got signed to a decent contract. It wasn't too bad. He broke out this year. This was his breakout year. He had five picks, 13 pass defenses, a pick six, a fumble recovery, two sacks as a safety, two sacks, 63 tackles. Uh, This guy was definitely the best value that you could have got this past year and i think that says a lot because this is somebody who you probably picked up off of waivers you know in idp and idp waivers especially defensive backs that's a big thing with idp waivers because Mm -hmm. you don't want to hold on to a bunch of people all at once you want to be able to kind of ride the cycle and i do i what i usually do is i get a bunch of uh linebackers you know, and then I get my D defensive lineman, you know, and then 
defensive backs, but I only draft probably one, and I just play the play the little what you call it. I play the waivers. Okay, you like know, the we, matchups. We just week to week call matchups. it as free agency. Yeah, right. yeah, week to week. That's it. And um, so this guy, we could go strictly. Let's see. Let's go strictly based off of defensive backs. This guy was. I, I want to say he was the fifth best defensive back. I want to say, yeah, 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 fifth best defensive back. And I mean, he's a diamond in the rough. This guy's still going late in drafts. I got him in the last round of an IDP draft that I did recently. You know, people are really, really just not understanding the whole entire concept of this. You want to get people for value you don't want to reach for somebody you don't want to reach for one of these other clowns that are playing defensive back you want to get this guy because he's a perfect value he's done it last year he broke out last year let's not forget that so this is definitely somebody to watch jordan poyer you want him on your team give me his whole name again i need his whole name jordan lynn baxter poyer who'd they call the law firm a couple years ago uh Oh, Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. They used to call him a law yeah, firm. Yeah, yeah. I, this no, guy's the right. new law firm. Jordan Lynn Baxter. What is it? I'm writing this down. Jordan Lynn Baxter. Lynn Baxter Poyer. Poyer. Okay. To represent me, if my uh, if I ever get hit by an 18 wheeler. Okay. Give me some more guys. Because this <laughs> this is interesting to me. I I played in an, in a uh, in a sleeper bot league last year for the first time. I had defensive players. No idea what I was doing. I just went for names. I did okay. I ended, I ended up winning the league, but it wasn't it wasn't because of my defensive players because I really didn't follow them. But you're saying I can get guys late in rounds for defensive players, and you're giving me some names here. So more IDP sleepers. I need more. So this next guy was a rookie last year. He didn't even uh, start coming out. He's Zach Cunningham, and many thought that he would start right away, but he had Brian Cushing in front of him. He got drafted to the Houston Texans, and uh, Brian Cushing got suspended. And Cunningham stepped up and filled in for his role and recorded 90 tackles in his rookie year. And that wasn't even starting for the whole year. Brian Cushing got released. So Cunningham is probably going to be the focal point of the Texans linebacker core. And he has great coverage skills. He's a great complement to Bernardrick McKinney's pass rushing ability. And if Watt is healthy with Clowney on the other side, they're going to be forcing those little passes like we talked about with Tyron Matthew. I think this guy can get a good little bit of picks. He can definitely surpass 90 tackles this year and be an IDP steal. Uh, let me ask you real quick, just as a sidetrack, what do you get the most points for in IDP? Uh, it's all dependent on your league scoring. Some people put tackles as the most points. Some people put sacks, pick sixes. Touchdowns always give you the most points. Okay. But when picking an IDP player, you want to look at schedule because that's you want somebody who has a decent schedule against – I usually target teams once the schedule comes out who I know is drafting a rookie quarterback. I target players who play teams with rookie quarterbacks the most because those are the most prone to mistakes. We all know that. Okay, yeah. So, so you, that's you, usually yeah, what you I want, do. You want to capitalize on rookie quarterbacks. I'm, I'm guessing you want to look for for injured offensive line te- uh, teams with injured offensive linemen. Uh, Definitely. In- injured star players where they're going to be playing a second or third string guy. You- so I see that you're really, stream- you're really streaming these players based on week-to-week matchups, which is a whole new strategy. I, I kind of like that. I might be into this. You got any other uh, sleeper names for me for uh, IDP? Um, I got two more, but I'm just going to name Tahir Whitehead. That's somebody you want to pick up. 
not going to go too deep into that. Uh, he had a good year last year, probably a breakout year, some would say, and he's going to be the, I mean, the main linebacker for the Oakland Raiders. And then I'm going to go on to the best one yet because he's my sleeper of the year in Dynasty right. and in IDP. And he's Anthony Hitchens. And this guy played for the Cowboys last year. I don't know if anybody remembers him, but he had a, a decent season, okay? It wasn't nothing crazy. His rookie year, he had 66 tackles and one pick. You know, he played in, in 11 games. This past year, he started 12 games and he had 55 tackles. What people don't understand is this guy is on the Kansas City Chiefs now. Kansas City Chiefs just released Derek Johnson, this free agency, uh-huh. which means Anthony Hitchens is going to start. You know, they have Reggie Ragland there, so they have a young linebacker core. Uh, Anthony Hitchens can definitely grow with this linebacker core. He's very versatile. He's good in coverage. I mean, this guy's a uh, he's your he's the linebacker you want. You know, if I'm drafting a team, I'm going to draft him. This is the guy I want to start for a real NFL team and my fantasy team. I like him a lot, and I think he has great potential, especially in that defense this year, going to more. They're going to be in tighter games because they have a rookie quarterback, and they're trying transitioning on offense. So they're going to be in tighter games. Their defense is going to be on the field more, and that's going to lead him to having more opportunities to rack up stats. All right. He is uh, He's only, what, there's only a fifth year in the uh – Fifth year in the league, so relatively young guy still. He's only twenty five, yeah. Yep, twenty five, and I mean, this is a six foot two forty guy. It's a big dude. Yeah, I mean, he's right in there, like the sweet spot of linebacker in terms of you know physical metrics and stuff. So, oh, and he's from he's from Lorain, Ohio. Cool, not not too far from where I live, actually. So, without giving up too much information, I did not deliver papers to his family, <laughs> but I do know where Lorain is. It's over by Cleveland. Okay. All right, well, this has been really interesting. I've been taking notes. Guys, if you're listening and you've been taking notes too, we're going to get into something special. I told him to wait. I wanted to hear about the trifecta st- strategy, and we're going to hear about it right after this short break, right here on the Dynasty Wire show on the Sleepwire Network. If your work league is a cakewalk and you're a three-time champ in your friends and family league, why not grow a set and take on some real competition? The Sleeper Wire Pro-Am is the next big challenge for you so-called fantasy experts. The Pro-Am pits fantasy industry professionals like the Fantasy Football Fellas, Eat Sleep Fantasy Podcast, Marcus Grant from the NFL, and Roto expert Jake Seeley against you, the listener. Guaranteed to be one of the most fun, active, and competitive leagues you'll ever be in, here's how to get into the Pro-Am. Visit sleeperwire.com forward slash pro-am. Read about our cause and make a donation to our charity's GoFundMe to help our friend Rob overcome chronic Lyme disease. For every $10 denomination you donate, you'll get one entry into a raffle to become a listener manager. So, donate $30, get three chances. Just make sure to fill out the form on the webpage so we can keep track of your entries. We'll do the drawing closer to the season start and get you in a league that you will love against your favorite experts and fellow Sleeperwire fans. Visit sleeperwire.com forward slash pro-am today. This is Sean Merriman, and you're listening to The Sleeperwire Show. 
All right, you are listening to Dynasty Wire, a new offering from the Sleeper Wire show. It's a show about Dynasty fantasy football. We talk IDP, we talk Dynasty, we talk Keepers, we talk Rookies, and we do it every week here with Draft Genius, the host of the show. I'm producer Steve. I'm kind of sitting in as host today because I wanted to know what this show is about. I wanted to know about the segments, and I wanted to ask draft genius what he actually is going to be talking about this show making sure he's not just talking about you know his favorite foods and you know what what <laughs> music he likes uh but uh, so far he has educated me on some uh some sleepers some deep deep sleepers some idp sleepers we talked about the recent news and we had mentioned in the previous segment the trifecta strategy now i i am a fan of the ponies i love to go to the horse races the trifecta is a a form of betting in the horse races, but you've got a strategy for drafting and roster composition in Dynasty called the Trifecta Strategy. Enlighten me, sir. Tell me about this. Well, the Trifecta Strategy goes back to what you asked about at the beginning of the show. Um, it's basically you asked, how do I want to compose a team? How do I keep it going? You use the Trifecta Strategy, and that means you get, you have five rookie picks every year, okay? What you what normally do is keep all five or you try to stack up, whatever. What I do is I make sure I have as many first and second rounds possible, and I try to get three in the first and second rounds. I do this to where I can get one of those elite running backs, one of those top wide receivers, and one of those top quarterbacks. And I do this every single year in Dynasty, so I'm just bankrolling in positions. So come three years, I have three quarterbacks that were in the first two rounds, three running backs that were in the first two rounds, three wide receivers that were in the first two rounds okay. in their respective draft classes. And I do this, and it helps me build, build, build. Like I got uh, last year, Kareem Hunt, Alvin Kamara, and Tariq Cohen. You know, I got Tariq Cohen in the third round. Um, Alvin Kamara was in the first, and Kareem Hunt was in the second. And I got three running backs right there. So this year, I'm not going to attack running backs as heavy in this draft. I might get a quarterback and two wide receivers. But I always take it in threes. I want three rookies from those first 20 guys taken because those are the best. Those are the people with the most upside. After 20, it's a crapshoot. Right, right. So I use that in the dynasty startups. But then in dynasty itself, see, the trifecta strategy is a conundrum in itself. It's... (laughs) Three, you know, it's the trifecta, and it's more of trifecta bets. You know, you're betting on these rookies to hit, but also it has three parts. So the trifecta means three positions, three players, but also three parts. And the second part is dynasty as a whole. You know, you want to be able to have three starters for every single position. It's three locked-in starters. Okay, You want this to be a very, very hard decision. You want three elite wide receivers, three elite running backs, and three elite quarterbacks. And why do you want this? And I'm not talking about you got three elite running backs, so you start two of the elite. No, I want three elite running backs that I can start at my RB1, and then three that I can start at my RB2. Now, it's hard to build up like that. You're not going to have it instantly, but that's why the trifecta strategy also takes three years to get into. You see okay, the threes, yeah. threes, threes. Yeah. And that's that's going to be the most beneficial strategy you can use in Dynasty. It's trifecta. So once you get it rolling I, after three years, it, you keep doing it over and over, and it kind of feeds on itself and builds on itself. Is that what you're saying? What you do, yeah, usually, if you have, we always hear about the third year breakouts. Right. You know, 
as rookies third year breakouts on the third year what i do usually is since i have three guys three wide receivers or three running backs or three running backs and wide receivers and a quarterback in their third year one of them is bound to break out what i do if i have another guy break out of the same position say uh in two two years uh kareem hunt and Tariq cohen break out even more have even more than they've done ever before i'm selling one of them that third year because i know that it's probably not going up it's probably staying steady or it's going down and i'm selling as high as i can on that year and then i just keep repeating the process keep repeating the process so then you could even do this in idp leagues what i do is the trifecta idp strategy is basically i get i look at the points you see and you have three positions that you can start in IDP, and that's it. D-line, linebacker, and defensive back. I usually get one elite at each position. I make sure I have one elite from each position. I have Jordan Poyer, Luke Keekley, and Demarcus Lawrence in the league, and those who by far some of those best values at their positions. And then that's all I do. That's it. I might be starting two DBs, two defensive linemen, and two linebackers, but I'm going to get those at the end of the draft from waivers. Because if you have the most elite or a top five guy at two positions, his production will make up for two other positions. So I use that as an IDP strategy. I also use the trifecta to where I'll just go linebacker heavy and get three of the top linebackers, and I'll just stream. That's all I'll do and not worry about too much about D-backs or defensive line. I'll just stream those from free agency and have my core of linebackers in IDP. You ever, you ever been in a college class, listeners, and the professor is just in, an, in his own, and he's just, he's just giving you secrets of the universe, and your head is just spinning, and you're like, God, I hope this PowerPoint is on the website because I am not figuring this out as he's saying it. That's what I'm yeah. feeling right now. <laughs> Uh, brother, I'm going to need you to write this down for me. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that explanation again. I got most of it. I got most of it, but there's a lot of moving pieces and it's definitely something that I think, uh, I think you should write down or, or maybe we can come up with a little, uh, flow chart or diagram or something that we can, we can offer to the listeners. Cause I think this is really a cool, I mean, like this whole world of dynasty and, in fantasy to me feels like, almost like you're investing it's like playing the stock market kind of and you're 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 trying to mitigate risk in some places but you're taking bigger risks in other places and you're you're planning for the future and you're seeing where you can invest picks and i don't know there's a lot of excitement to it uh, a lot of energy in it i thought it was going to be all like stats and nerdy stuff but I'm, I'm rubbing my hands. You can hear me. I'm rubbing my hands right now because I'm getting excited about this. And I'm sorry if this is coming, this is coming off like an infomercial because I know I'm kind of asking a lot of questions, but I'm interested in learning this stuff and I, I hope the listeners are enjoying the, the stuff you're giving them. Uh, because this is going to be a weekly show, guys. Uh, if, if, if we can keep up with it and we, and I'm sure there's enough content, uh, D- Dynasty Wire is going to be coming to you every week. We're going to try to do some live shows too. Uh, so we're just kind of going through the segments here, kind of working out the kinks, seeing where we're going to go every week, what we can do. Uh, Draft Genius, you had a segment you wanted to do called Smart Theft. So let's get into that. This week's Smart Theft. It's a robbery. Call the police for me. Well, basically a rundown of what Smart Theft is is – the smartest move you can make per week and it's just a suggestion move you know i don't know everybody's roster so i can't really hit the nail on the head instantly but i can give you something in general that's going to help more than half of the dynasty community my smart theft is basically you committing theft 
but you're doing it to where the other person's thinking they're outsmarting you. They're like, wow, oh, okay. <laughs> no way, no way. <laughs> <All right. laughs> but you're like, ah, I'm sneaky, I'm sneaky. So this is the smart theft of the week, and my guy is Alex Collins. Alex Collins isn't looked at as an elite running back right now. You know, he played for the Baltimore Ravens last year. He had these crazy weeks where he would just go off, and for some reason they weren't giving him the starting job. They were holding on to Javoris Allen, Terrence West, or whoever. I think that this guy can be a league winner. He can be among the top ten backs in the NFL consistently over the years to come. He had 212 yards. I mean, this dude's a bowling ball, okay? 212 rushes for 973 yards and six touchdowns. He didn't do much in the receiving department, had 23 receptions for 181. So PPR, you might want to steer away, but I'm grabbing him in all the leagues I can. Um, I don't, I think this guy's ADP, last time I checked was in the seventh round, which if I'm getting my RB2 in the seventh round, excuse me, sir, but I just won the league. Can you give me my trophy now? <laughs> I'll take it now if you want to give it to me because that's the steal of the draft. Seventh round all day. I see him going in the ninth round sometimes, which that's even better value, but I wouldn't wait. I would reach on Alex Collins in the sixth round possibly if I was low on running backs. This guy will win you your league. There's no question about it. He was never got the chance with the Seattle Seahawks. They never gave this guy the chance. Seattle Seahawks' rushing attack was horrible this past year. If they would have kept Alex Collins, they could have had a totally different outcome to their season. Look what he did with the Ravens. Are we being serious right now? The Ravens well, aren't a good team. Yeah, but you say there's no question you're going to win your league, but the, here's the big question. Why has he not been given the chance? You say he's got all the skills. He can do it. But the Seahawks didn't give it to him. The 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 uh, Ravens didn't give it to him. I don't know what kind of coaching decisions they're making or why they're making them. So there's got to be some sort of reason. But what like where do you get the confidence that that the choice is going to be made this year? Let's let, let's let's let them do it. Like let's forget about Dixon. Let's forget about West. Let's forget about all these other guys we have, and let's let Alex Collins do it. Um, that's a very good question, and that's what they pay me the big bucks for over here. Ask the big <laughs> questions. Basically, in week seven, okay, they kind of gave him the bulk of the carries, which was 18 attempts. He averaged six yards per attempt and hit 113 yards on the ground. That's pretty good. No touchdowns, okay? They didn't score any touchdowns. The next week, they cut his workload to 13 carries. They lost that game to Tennessee, okay? So they won the game before against Miami. He had 18 carries. The next week, they give him 20 carries. He had 49 yards, which was horrible. That's two and a half yards per carry almost, and one touchdown. But they gave him 20 carries, and they won that game. The next week, they gave him 16 carries, which was the most that week. He hit 60 yards and a touchdown. They won that game. You see a, you see a trend here? You give Alex Collins the rock, you win. I get, dude. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. And we and we talked about this last year with running backs. Uh, we had a we had a show. I remember very very specifically saying uh, talking with Max about running backs. You gotta give certain guys volume carries so they can get going. You give them twenty one week and they get going. They get warm. They have a good game. Then you cut it back to eight to ten. What do you expect? The guy, guy takes a few carries to get into the, you know, get into the groove of the game and start to do what he can do. So, I mean, that's, that's always the question for me. It's like why we see this stuff, you know, as fans and as viewers of the game. And 
but we always wonder why why the coaching decisions are made. So that's always my thing. It's like I, I get why you're high on him and stuff. I just really hope he gets the chance to get those 20 carries a game so we can see that again. Well, definitely. I definitely agree with you there. And in perspective, Alex Collins is 5-3 and three when carrying the ball 15 times or more. That's what the Ravens are, 5-3. and three. They lost two of their last four, which kind of hurt them on that little trend. But against the Steelers – that's a tough game, the Ravens and Steelers. That's a legacy game. Oh, yeah. He had 18 carries for 120 yards, almost seven yards per carry, and one touchdown. And he had 46 yards in the air as a receiver. So I think that this guy can definitely be a league winner. I mean, you give me 78 yards and a touchdown each week, I'll take it. That's um, that's running back one number sometimes. So I think that that is – Definitely the guy who you can trade for right now. But the segment is called Smart Theft. So I want to make the other guy feel like he's getting over on me, but I'm actually getting the good deal here. So what am I offering for Alex Collins? Um, I would offer Ty Montgomery. I would offer Chris Carson. I would offer anybody like that. I would even go as far as to offer Lamar Miller for Alex Collins. Possibly even one of the Green Bay running backs. But as a pick... If I'm going after a pick, I mean, I'm going to offer a, a second-round pick. I'll offer a late first-round pick for Alex Collins. Wow, okay. I would offer the 10th overall pick or lower in a rookie draft for Alex Collins. Somebody would definitely bite on that. Let me let me get a little bit deeper into it because the art of the deal is a lot. You know, you, you got to sell it, right? you got to sell it. So you just told me all this wonderful stuff about Alex Collins. What am I telling to the guy I'm buying Alex Collins from? What do I tell him to get him to sell? You just say, hey, look, I think I need running back depth. And you look like you're not really using Alex Collins. I kind of I could use him, I guess. And I'll give you a good offer. And he'll go, well, what, what's your offer? And I'll say, I'm going to give you my second round pick. How does that sound? And wow, what? This guy might not even be the starter, and you're giving me a second-round pick for him? People overvalue rookie picks all the time. That's the name of the game. If you figure out the value of your rookie picks, you won your league already because you can pull one over quick on somebody else or whatever. You know, And that's the whole entire reason he's the smart theft because this he, he's the best trade target possible right now. He could be a Devontae Freeman kind of running back right now. So I think that he's definitely, definitely the best buy right now. And if somebody's giving you a hard time for him, just say, look, I just, I like Alex Collins. You know, I just like him. Tell him you're an SEC fan. You like Arkansas <laughs> players or something. Yeah. You know, you basically just have to have a conversation with them. And I, I whenever they see you add a second round pick or the one, 12 they'll say oh my gosh uh, he's giving me a rookie first round pick i'm gonna take this this is gonna yeah. be a steal yeah. but no you're the smart thief not him okay all right well let's that's uh, this is a very interesting segment i like it because i like talking trade strategy and stuff and there's always stuff you can say to the other person like in this in this case i'd probably say some of the things you said but i'd also say well look Baltimore doesn't trust him. Look at his usage last year. The same things that you were just giving me. I mean, like, look, he had a great game. They didn't. They didn't. Then they didn't use him. I mean, is that the guy you want on your team, along with competing for touches with three other running backs, and maybe they draft somebody? Like, come on, you don't. You're not going to use him. Just give him to me. This show is going to. We're going to focus on that in terms of the long term, the big picture. 
the dynasty stuff trading. But let's talk about rookies. All right, so I'm going to give you a couple of rookies for dynasty. I want you to tell me who you prefer. I'm just going to shoot out a couple of pairs here, okay? Uh, let's start with Calvin Ridley or Dante Pettis. I'm going Dante Pettis. That's value all day. Uh, I mean, long story short, this guy was very productive for Washington and 822 yards his junior year with 15 touchdowns. That's a lot. That's 15 touchdowns is insane for only 822 yards. So I think he can be a good threat and Calvin Ridley's price is too high. All right. Well, let me give you another one. Uh, Marcus Davenport or Bradley Chubb? That's a good one. And Marcus Davenport has a lot of, um, you know, a lot of questions surrounding him. He has Jadavian Clowney like numbers. This guy is a phenomenal athlete. He's six foot seven, two fifty five. Uh, I'm going Marcus Davenport over Bradley Chubb, and I know the hype on IDP is Bradley Chubb because he'll start right away. But Marcus Davenport could be that diamond in the rough that you get really late. This guy. In four years, totaled 185 tackles for UTSA. It's just, he's good. You know, he had 21.5 sacks in his college career in four years. And he didn't play much his freshman and sophomore year. He had over, I want to say, over 120 tackles in his past two years in college. And he had 15 sacks. And he also had some fumbles caused and passes deflected, alignment deflecting passes. He's just a super athlete, and I'm going with value over reaching all day. Okay. All right. Just out of curiosity, where do you see Chubb going in the draft this year? Bradley Chubb? Yeah. Um, that's very – man, I want to say I see him going second overall. That's where I think he should go. But I definitely think that he'll go by the sixth pick. I think the Broncos could take him. That's a very. Yeah. Uh, I was seeing that too. That's, a, that'd be a, that's nasty, a sleeper pick, you know. Yeah, that'd be a nasty combo in in Denver, though. Definitely, I, but I do think the Giants should take him. I think the Giants should definitely take Chubb because they need that defensive lineman. They just let go of Jason Pierre-Paul, so they yeah. have a big gap right there. Do you think the Giants are rebuilding secretly? Um, yes and no. I think that they're preparing in case they need for a rebuild. Uh, if they are rebuilding, it'll come out sooner than later because they'll draft Barkley. And Barkley is somebody who you can take and anything could happen and you could always rebuild around him. He's a generational player. Right. So they could flush the toilet, so say, on the franchise, flush out Odell, get a bunch of you know compensation for Odell, get at that quarterback that they need, and um, build around Barkley. They don't need a quarterback if you have an elite running back, really. They just need somebody who can – do RPOs and uh, hand off the ball and throw sharp passes. And Barkley could be that centerpiece of the offense Dude, over I, there. So, I, yeah, we, we, we got we to gotta have another show where we talk just about league trends, I think, because uh, I, I don't know how you feel, but I feel like it's – I mean, everybody says it's a copycat league. You saw the success of the RPO style in, a, in the Super Bowl champs. I have a feeling a lot of that's coming. So it's something that I'm going to really look at for fantasy this year. What teams run that well? Uh, what players fit into that type of system? Cause I think you're going to see a lot of that stuff this year and it's going to, I feel like it's going to change values for players quite a bit. Uh, definitely. Look, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. Uh, if Lamar Jackson goes to the Jaguars or the Cardinals, get him 
and keep him forever. Because I'll take RPOs with Lamar Jackson and David Johnson all day, or RPOs with Fournette and Lamar Jackson all day. All right, my man, you have been giving some, uh, I want to say hot takes, but I don't really want to call them hot takes because you do your research. I mean, you can tell by the way you talk about these players. You've certainly looked deep into their careers in college and and pros when they're pros. Uh, watch the tape. You look at the system they're in. So I don't want to say you're giving me a bold prediction here, but I do want a bold, bold prediction for you, from you. I want to make this a regular part of your show. We close the show off every week. Uh, Draft Genius, hit me with a bold, bold prediction. Trey Quinn is Cooper Cup 2.0. You heard it here first, folks. You have to tune in next week to find out why. <laughs> we hit you with the cliffhanger. Didn't see it coming. <laughs> All right. I am producer Steve. This has been Draft Genius. His name is John Michael. You can find him on Twitter at LA Draft Genius. You can find him on Sleeperbot at LA Draft Genius. And you can follow us on the Sleeper Wire channel on the Sleeperbot app. You can also join our Facebook group. Just search for the Sleeper Wire Fantasy Football Club. And uh, you can find me on Sleeperbot if you want to bust my chops about all the uh the stuff i said on the show at sw steve <laughs> or just go to sleeperwire.com you'll find our podcast our rankings we're gonna have a new page of dynasty stuff up there for you and uh you can always make sure you do a donation to our our cause to uh, help our friend rob overcome chronic lyme disease you make a donation if you do ten dollar denominations you get a chance to enter a raffle to become a manager of our Sleeperwire Pro-Am. You probably heard the promo in the show. And uh, with that, it's getting late here. LA Draft Genius, or Draft Genius, however you like to be called. It's been fun, man. You taught me a lot. Thanks for being on the show. Uh, and uh, I guess we'll let you take it over next week. Hey, I loved it. And uh, hopefully you can join me a good little bit more. I thought this is the greatest show ever already and this is just the first episode so i'm definitely appreciative of that and uh for the listeners i'll be sure to check out sleeperwire.com there's a lot of things to come so many things this offseason changing the perspective of how you view dynasty forever 